Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. So good to be back, and it's so good to see all of you. Um, it's been a really good holiday, and it's a new year. Can you believe it? So I don't know about you, but I am really, really excited for what God is going to do this year in the Church of South Africa, and also in this church in particular. I am really expecting for revival to break out in this country and for thousands of people to come to Christ, to come to Christ's saving power. And even in this darkness, God has given us His resurrection life for us to live a life just full of faith in this world. Unfortunately, not a lot of people walk in that resurrection life. People come, people go, people stumble, people fall, and um, they just don't know what's going on. And so this morning, I'm hoping to bring some perspective on why we sometimes fall and stumble when we walk out this Christian walk. And so the main thing that I want to talk about today is baptism going from the old to the new, and then I'm hoping to go through a couple of stories and see what we can learn from them. Now, I've heard many people ask, do you need to get baptized in order to go to heaven? And how important is baptism really? Okay, so first of all, baptism is vitally important. Okay, and I'll explain that a little bit later. Secondly, yes, you can go to heaven if you're not baptized, but you'll miss out on so much more. And we have made baptism merely a religious tradition. Now that you're born again, you gave your life to Jesus, the next thing the Bible says you must do, get baptized. So you get baptized, but you don't really know why. You don't really know the purpose of it. You don't really know what you're doing, but hey, The pastor said I must get baptized, so I'm getting baptized. In the Bible, we read that when the people back then got born again, they got baptized immediately. Okay? And even in today's day and age, there are a certain group of people that take baptism as non-negotiable. Okay? When they get saved, they get baptized immediately. And it's not the Western church. Okay, it is the people living in severe persecution. Those people living in China, those people living in North Korea. I sometimes wonder if there's even one Christian in North Korea. North Korea is one of the most persecuted, is the biggest persecuted country in this world. If they find out you're a Christian, you're done. And um, these people are living in like severe persecution and If you're a Muslim, if you live in a a zealous Muslim home and you give your life to Jesus, okay, your family, your community, your friends, they will hate you, okay, because it goes against everything that they believe. And, excuse me, it goes against everything that they believe. And your your dad, if you're still living under his house, under his roof, will give you some fivefold ministry slap you around a bit, and he will tell you that you were stupid, and he will try to convince you to come back to to the Islam faith. But the moment that you get baptized, it's like you become dead to them. 
you get completely rejected by the whole community. They will either try to kill you or they will chase you away. And you will no, you will, um, no longer be welcome in that community. In China, who of you guys have read the, the book, The Heavenly Man? <clears throat> All right. If you haven't read, read that book, I encourage you to read it. It's a biography of the, um, somebody called Brother Yun. People know him as Brother Yun. He was um, a missionary in China in the underground church. And just uh, speaks of all the amazing exploits that, that, that God has, has done through, that, through the underground church. And in China, because it's so heavily persecuted, they're not allowed to have church openly. If you have church openly, they'll either beat you up or you'll go to jail. Okay, it's one of those two options. And when you get, come to Christ, um, the next thing is that you want to get baptized. So, but you can't get baptized during the day. So what happens is they go and get baptized at 2 o'clock in the morning or the early morning hours um, of the day. And even in winter, they go to the fro frozen lake, they cut out a piece of ice, they get baptized in icy water. That is how zealous and how passionate they are about Jesus. And then, while reading these stories, I can't help but to think if baptism wasn't so important, then why would people risk their lives, their families, their friends, their communities to get baptized? Surely there must be something, something significant that we as Christians are missing. So my first point, what is baptism really? And I added really because I don't know if we all understand what baptism is all about. Now, many of you have heard that there's two kingdoms at war with one another, okay? There's the kingdom of darkness. Let me just put this up. There's the kingdom of darkness, and there's the kingdom of God, kingdom of light. And... Um, before we give our lives to Jesus, we are all part of this kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. And when a part of this kingdom, you have a king, okay? His name is Satan. And while you're a part of this kingdom, Satan can do with you whatever he pleases. Because you are in his domain. You're in his country. You're his property. Okay? You have no say in that relationship. Just like the citizens of a dictator has no say to what the dictator does. The dictator just does whatever he pleases. And so if you're living in this country, in this kingdom, that's what it's like. And for most of us, that's where we came from. Okay? Not most of us. All of us came from here. Okay? We all started in the kingdom of darkness. And we lived there. And then... One day we got tired of this kingdom because we just didn't like the way that this king is, is treating us. And that incredible thing, that incredible day came where we decided to give our lives to Jesus Christ. And something significant happened. And we read about it in Colossians 1 verse 13 to 14. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now at this point, Jesus has done everything that he could to give you a new life. Okay? 
And this is the part now that nobody really likes to hear. You need to do something. Tell the person next to you, you need to do something. See, there's a big difference between saying, I want to marry this person and actually marrying, the, actually marrying this uh, woman or, or guy. And there's a big difference between saying that, Jesus, I give you my life and actually living a life that, that shows that commitment. And because we formerly belong to the kingdom of darkness and we lived under the, the law of sin and death, you now need to die to this world, leaving this world and leaving this king behind. And you as a newborn believer has no business with your old life anymore. With the kingdom of darkness, you have no business with your past anymore. And from time to time, I, I talk to a lot of unmarried people, some of them living with their partners for years, some of them even have kids. And I usually ask them, why are you guys not married yet? And some answers would be finances, you know, finances, always an excuse. And the other thing that they tell me is to keep the options open. Now, I want to tell you today that in Christ, you cannot keep your options open. It's either all for Christ or nothing at all. You have to choose what you want to do. Do you want to live there or do you want to live here? And if God tells you to be a missionary in China, the best thing that you can do is to sell everything that you have and go there. If you know that God said, I have called you to China, you know for a fact you have settled it in your heart and you're going to China, the best thing that you can do is sell everything that you have and go to China. Because if you go to China and you leave your, ha your house neatly packed away, clean, your car, everything is just in order there, the moment persecution arises in China, guess where you'll be running to? You'll be running to your comfortable home and your comfortable life back home. And you'll never finish the purpose that Jesus had for you in China because you kept holding on to the old, to the, to, the, to the past. And a wedding ring is a testimony that you belong and are committed to that person. Baptism is showing your commitment to Jesus Christ. And so you need to die to this world. And how do you do it? Through baptism. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up um, to Colossians 2 verse 11 to 15. <clears throat> it says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. 
And as you get baptized, it's like you die with Christ. The devil has no more legal um, foothold in your life. When you get baptized, when you go under the water, it's like you're hanging there with Jesus. And you are declaring to this world, to Satan, that, hey, I'm no longer a part of you. You are defeated. And as you come out of a water, it's like you get raised with Jesus Christ from the dead into new life. And when you die to this world, you are truly free. So say somebody owed you a million rands or millions of rands, and they just all of a sudden died. Would it help if you go to them and just poke them with a stick? Say, hey, where's my money? <laughs> okay, that's a lot of faith. But no, it's not going to help. So the devil can poke and prod as much as he like. It's no longer I who live, but it is now Jesus living in me. I have died to this world and I'm now alive to Jesus Christ. My second point. Get rid of the old. Why is it so important to make a public declaration that you belong to Christ? Because if you, die, if you don't die to this world and to yourself, you will never be able to walk in the promises of God. You'll never be able to enter your promised land. Now, the past is the past, and you cannot be in the past and the future at the same time. It doesn't matter how, sh how you sugarcoat your past. It will never be the future, okay? So I want to use this illustration here to, um, to bring across the point. If I hold on to my old life, grip on to my old life, would I be able to go to my new life? Okay, it's a simple answer, but still nobody, always under, nobody really understands it. Okay, you hold on to your old life, you cannot go to your new life, Okay. In order for you to get to your new life, you need to let go of your past. You need to let go of your old life and start walking in the new life. All right? But say, for example, you hold on to your old life, and just for a brief moment, you, you decide, man, maybe I should try that side. So you, so you walk, walk a little bit, and you hit the brick wall. And at that point, you, you think by yourself, man, before I started praying, everything was fine. The moment I started praying was the moment that life just started um, becoming um, heavy. The moment I started going to church, man, stuff just started happening. I don't know what's going on. Because you don't get rid of your old life, you'll go back to it. Because here, you were fine. And you'll never be able to reach the promise that God has over your life. So, in order to get there, you need to leave this. And baptism, when you get baptized, this is what happens. You take your past, you take your old life, you take your sinful life, and you tear it up. So that you can never go back to it again. And if the kingdom of God is your only option, you can know that you will do everything that you can possibly do to get to the kingdom of God. Because that's your only option. You don't have an, another option. But too many Christians leave their options open. 
And so when the grass is greener on this side, I'll go here. When the grass is greener on that side, I'll go there. Guys, you need to make a choice. You cannot live in both kingdoms. You cannot have the perks of both. Not that I think you have any perks in the kingdom of darkness. And I love reading through the Old Testament stories. There's a lot of stories of just faith and amazing things that God did and amazing things that people did. It encourages me in my Christian walk. And there's also stories of stupid people, believe it or not. And some of these stupid people were the Israelites when God saved them out of Egypt. Now, when I read through the book of Exodus, man, I just want to bum my head and be like, oh, I can't do this. Can't. I don't understand what these guys were thinking. Now, these guys love to hold on to their past. They just refused to let go and they also just simply couldn't believe God for who he was and what he said. And in Exodus 3, verse 7 to 8, we read, Then the Lord said, now God is speaking to Moses here. It says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out, to, um, out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of names. Sounds like something you need to spray with doom. <laughs> so note that God is sending, God is sending Moses to, to deliver the Israelites. And Moses goes to the Israelites and he says to the Israelites, Hey, God has sent me to deliver you guys. And he's sending you to a promised land. This land is flowing with milk and honey. There's broad space for all of your cattle. It's going to be amazing. You will love it, is what he's saying to the Israelites. And God, at that time, gave the Israelites a promise that, hey, I've got a promised land for you guys, and you guys are going to go possess the land. And we as Christians get a lot of prophecies, don't we? And these prophecies are usually big. We also get promises from God because God is not small. God only does big, okay? Every single one of you guys sitting here is a masterpiece, okay? God loves you and he's got big plans for your life. And so when you get prophecies, man, it's, it's not small prophecies. It's big prophecies because big is, God is a big God. So when we get these prophecies, um, man, we're excited because it's nice to feel and to know that, man, God's got a plan for my life, right? So we would get prophecies like, God is going to use you to bring millions of Muslims to Christ. God is going to use you to preach around the globe. God is going to use you to plant a 10,000-seated church. And when we hear those prophecies, man, we're excited. We're like, yo, man, God wants to use me for that. That is cool. But the one thing that we never consider is that these prophecies come at a cost, okay? These promises come at a cost. These promises aren't just going to fall on your lap. I mean, you're not just going to walk in, uh, walk in a Muslim country and then people just fall down and worship Jesus, okay? You're not just going to bring Muslims to Jesus and they're going to stand aside and, or the Muslim leaders are going to stand aside and, and let the people go. You're going to get severe persecution. You can know that. It's not going to be easy. 
It's not going to be easy to plant a 10,000-seat church. Where are the people going to come from? Where's the money going to come from to, to build the church? Okay, and you're also not going to preach around the globe if you keep sitting on your couch at home. So every promise, as amazing as it sounds, come at a cost. And we need to understand that because guess what? When you start walking this Christian road, it's going to get tough. And if, you, if you're not getting rid of your old life, you want to go running back to your old life where it's comfortable. So it requires action and it requires Jesus in your life. So when the Israelites got these promises, they were really excited, like you can imagine. I mean, they were slaves for over 400 years, and now all of a sudden, their deliverance is coming. And um, they were excited. So the 10 plagues happened, and Pharaoh decided, I'm going to let you guys go. So take your stuff and leave this place, because I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And already the Israelites saw these ten, the miracle of, this, of the 10 plagues. Okay. These plagues came and destroyed all of Egypt, but not one of the plagues came near the house, houses of the Israelites. And so they already experienced the miracle working power of God. And so as they were going out um, into the wilderness, they got to the Red Sea. And when they got to the Red Sea, man, these people started complaining to Moses. Moses, have you brought us out here to die? You would think that, you know, surely if God gave you the promise, I mean, God will make a way. But now they're complaining to Moses and asking Moses, have you brought us out here to die? And Moses, smart man, asked God, God, what should I do? God's like, uh, what's in your hand? It's a staff, Lord. Okay, lift up your staff. Moses lifted up the staff and the Red Sea split open. Now, you can just imagine how amazing that must have been. The Israelites walking through a sea. Must have been incredible. By the, by the time that they, they get to the other side of a Red Sea, they finish the encyclopedia on fish. And uh, must have been quite a sight. And I mean, if, if the pl- ten plagues weren't enough for the Israelites, God split open the Red Sea. I mean, <laughs> he didn't just dry a river, he split the Red Sea. You would think that now at least they'll have faith to trust in God, they'll have faith to to believe God for the impossible, and at least they'll maybe fear God. That's what you would think, but nope. That's not what happened. When they just uh, got to the other side of the Red Sea, um, they became hangry. Now, if you don't know what hangry is, hangry is when you're angry and hungry at the same time. Husbands, you know that that's not a good place for your wife to be in. (laughs) And this is what they said to Moses. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And you would think that after all of that, that they'll at least just be able to ask God, God, can we please have some food? Or Moses, can we please have some food? Instead of saying, why did you bring us out here to die? And because of their attitude, they were never able to enter into their promised land because they kept holding on to the past. 
And when you hold on to your past, guys, you'll never be able to walk in your promised land. Just like the Israelites, that whole generation had to die before they could enter, that nation could enter into Israel, into um, Canaan. Um, the whole na- <laughs> Sorry, the whole nation had to die first before they could enter into Canaan, their promised land. So the point that I want to bring across is this. Just because it is a promise of God doesn't mean that it will be easy. Okay, But you can be sure that God is with you all the way. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't matter the challenges that you face. God is there with you. The second thing, if your old life is still on the table, you will never walk in the promise of God. Because as soon as, you, as it gets tough, you'll go back to it. And baptism is a declaration that you are leaving your old life behind. Third, for you to walk in the promise of God, your new life in Christ should be your only options. So guys, get rid of all your other options. Let Christ be your only option. And lastly, this is what it means to get baptized. You commit all for the sake of Christ. That's what it means to get baptized. Baptize is not just a religious tradition that you do. Tick a box. You commit to forsake everything for Christ. My third and final point, reaching your promised land. Now, this is probably one of the most exciting things in life. It's exciting to be able to walk in your promises. It's exciting to, to see the, the, the promises of God coming into fulfillment. And um, Jesus went through the same thing. So, Jesus was on this earth for 30 years. After 30 years, he got baptized by John the Baptist. um, And he had his ministry for three years, after which he was crucified and died on the cross. And um, during those three years that he had his ministry on earth, he did things that we can't even imagine doing in our own lives, our, our whole lives. And I don't think that Jesus was able to do all those things because he had a secret superpower. Sure, he was God in the flesh, but the Bible makes it clear that he was stripped from his divinity and he, became, he came to earth as a man. And Jesus had the Holy Spirit, the same as us. I think the difference came in that he was committed to a cause. He was committed to destroy Satan, the God of his world. He was committed to preach the gospel. He was committed to see people being set free. He was committed to please his father. Then I want to ask you, how about you? How is that commitment going that you made with Christ when you said, I give you my life, Lord. All that I have, I give to you. How is that commitment going for you? If I can ask uh, Jermaine, come up so long. If you look at the Old Testament or the Bible, okay, there are many stories. Moses was able to deliver the Israelites from Egypt because he was committed to the cause of God. David, a little shepherd boy, was able to kill a giant with a slingshot and a little rock 
He became king of Israel. He was able to do that because he was committed to the cause of God. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he worshipped God when he wasn't supposed to. He became one of uh, the Babylonian and the Persian kings. He became their biggest asset. He was able to do that because he was committed to a cause. Jesus, he was able to die on the cross for every single one of you. He was able to take all of our sins on him to die so that we can be free. He was able to do that because he was committed to the cause of God. Paul, shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, imprisoned. And when you read those letters that he writes in the New Testament, man, you can just feel and experience the joy that he has for God still. He was able to live that life because he was committed to God. He was committed to the cause of God. And I want to ask you again, how committed are you to the decision that you made when you got baptized? When you gave your life to Jesus? And by you getting baptized, you declare, I am committed to the cause to see the kingdom of God advance, however you see fit. See, you don't, you don't need to be an evangelist to, to ask somebody at, at your work, hey, do you want to come join us at church? You don't need to be an evangelist to just do something nice to a person. You just need to actually care. So how committed are you? There's going to be clipboards on the stage here at the end of a service, and we're going to be doing baptisms next week. If you're ready to make that public declaration that, hey, I commit my life to Jesus, I want you to come and write your names on these clipboards. We'll contact you during the week, and um, we want to we baptize you on Sunday. And then there might be some of you here that's, that's um, already been baptized. And that commitment that you made, man, it fell through the cracks. And um, I've asked Jermaine to sing us a song. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And I want us to stand. And I want us to declare that song over our lives. That Jesus, I'm deciding today and for the rest of my days to follow you. No more turning back. No more turning back. Jesus, you are my everything. And when, as we sing that, get rid of your old life. Get rid of it. It's not worth it. Allow Jesus to come into your life and change your life. Amen.